If you would, please open your Bibles with me to the book of Mark this morning, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, as we excitingly begin week four of a five-week series that we're simply calling Bless, sharing the gospel in BA and beyond. My name is Matt Brooks. I'm the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow, and I'm so humbly excited about God's faithfulness through you. I mean, we're hearing stories of adults commit their life to Christ as Lord and Savior in this series. We're hearing stories about those members who are praying over their neighbors, are beginning to faithfully share the gospel with their co-workers and teammates and all of these exciting things are an overflow of you living a life of faith and you sharing the gospel in BA and beyond. It's our desire to do whatever it takes to reach the place in which God has placed us. Now with this, we understand that Jesus' mission then takes gospel intentionality, that we just can't have it standingly go through life, that we've got a daily trust the Lord with what he's commanded us to do. And so that's why we've humbly challenged you in this service to begin to pray about sharing the gospel with five neighbors in five weeks. I think one of the greatest things about this series is that it's forced us to answer the question, who is my neighbor? Now, I'll remind you in the New Testament, the New Testament authors consider your neighbor those who are within daily proximity of your lives, those who God places in your circle. It's not necessarily just sharing an address with these people. It's those people who God has placed in your life. So how do we get to know our neighbors in a Jesus-centered way? And we said, well, there's about five things to consider as you bless those around you. Number one, you got to build relationships by prayer. That as you talk and communicate to God, you've got to ask him to give you an eye to see, an ear to her, hear, a heart to respond to those around you. Secondly, then, you also have to listen and graciously respond that we listen to understand. And as people begin to share their hearts, then we begin to share Christ in a gracious way, in a way that's clear of the good news of the gospel. And one of the primary ways we do that is taking the ministry of Jesus. That we thirdly, we eat with others and talk about Jesus. In fact, did you realize that over 10 separate times in the gospel of Luke, Jesus is gathering around a table, around some great food, and sharing an even greater truth. We have the privilege to do the same. And God has given most of us in this room 21 opportunities to do that. What would happen if we took two or three of those opportunities to eat a week and then added some gospel intentionality? And today, I wanna talk to you about now this first S in this word, bless. How to serve others for Jesus. I read an article this week from Forbes Business Magazine. And the article stated that in surveying 1,000 executives throughout our country, did you realize the most indistinguishable quality that they're looking for in upper management, those who desire to serve in that capacity? Servant leadership. The article went on to say then that they have found that one of the greatest impacts that their company can have is not just by the product that they're selling, but yet how they're displaying that product in their community. In fact, the article stated, you realize 72% of all people who serve are never the same afterward. 
Either those who are serving and are being a blessing or those who have been served. There is something about life change that happens when we serve others for Jesus. We're going to take the words of Jesus this morning in Mark 10, 45. And I pray, inspire you to be just that. Now Mark's gospel, unlike any other gospel, is instant Jesus, if we were to take a survey here, I'm kind of amazed at how Mark always kind of falls in the latter parts of these gospels. I mean, some of you, you love kind of the rich Jewish history of Matthew, and for some of you, you're more kind of inclined to history, and so you love Luke, and some of you love that synergy of history and theology, and so you love John, but eh, very few of us ever vote Mark. Well, hey, be encouraged by Mark's gospel. We'll go through this gospel sometime together, I don't know, eight to ten years from now. But from that, Mark gives us instant Jesus. In fact, did you realize that Mark is the first New Testament author to connect the gospel, the good news of God, to Jesus? And when we come to Mark 10.45, Mark summarizes the entire gospel in one verse. If you can understand Mark 10.45, then you can understand all of Mark, all of the gospel why Christ came into the world. So that is why we give our hearts to this text this morning. When we come to Mark 10, 45, we have to remind ourselves that Jesus is entering the final phase of his ministry. And in Mark 10, verses 35 through 45, the Bible says that he's on his way to Jerusalem to give his life on the cross. Jesus has been teaching essentials, principles of discipleship to his disciples. And now, In a response to a self-centered request, Jesus is going to provide one of the most selfless responses in the entire Bible. Christ's disciples came to him in verse 35. Specifically, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, or sons of thunder. Man, I can't wait to meet these guys. And they asked Christ, grant us this one request. And in verse 37, they said, may we, one sit on your right side, And the other said, on your left side. And Jesus began to explain to them, you have no idea what you're asking. I assure you that you will drink full the cup that will come to you, just as I will, and the wrath that will come by men as a result of faithfulness to God. But what you're asking, I cannot answer. He then, in this selfless response, provides to them the way of God. God's way is not pridefully seeking your own glory, your own rank, your own promotion, but rather as a humble self-denial, exemplified by placing God and others above yourself. To follow Christ is to follow his way of life. This is so vital because often people have to see Jesus in us before they are willing to hear Jesus from us. People have to see a life of humility before they're willing to humble themselves. And as a result of you humbling yourself before the Lord and them, God speaks. People have to see grace before their hearts begin to receive grace. It is all of these things that God uses within the confines of gospel intentionality and pointing people to Jesus that God uses to draw men into himself. And so what I want to do today is I want to study how we can serve others for Jesus by looking at the words of Jesus and the pattern of his life given in Mark 10 verse 45. 
With that in mind, your Bible says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45, for those of you taking notes, put a star by this verse. Mark 10, 45 is a radical call of following Christ in all facets of life. That the moment that we give our lives to Christ, it is an adherence to the model of life exemplified by Jesus Christ, portrayed for us in the Gospels. Jesus, in his own words in Mark 10, 45, gives us this point by saying, for even the Son of Man. This word for here is powerfully purposive. Jesus contends that Christ's followers should adopt the actions of Jesus' servanthood as the way of life. You see, at the time of Jesus' words in Mark 10, 45, Roman and Gentile rulers in Jesus' day, they exercised their authority by commanding others to serve them. Jesus, in striking contrast, displays his divine power by giving his life in service to others. Jesus saved you to work through you as we live to glorify him by serving others. That one of the greatest examples that we have of the presence of God in us is not just a robust intellectualism, is not a profound capacity to articulate the gospel, but is rather a humble tenacity to live it out, to humble ourselves to all people and to say, as God has made you in his image, you were made by God to love God. And as God has demonstrated his love to me, a sinner, by the death of Jesus Christ, his love has transformed my life in all facets. And so I choose him. And I choose to place others above myself, just like my Savior. For the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man is a favorite self-designation of Jesus. He uses this messianic title of himself over 80 separate times in the Gospels. This title is drawn from the Old Testament. It exemplifies two things about the intrinsic character of Christ. The Son of Man speaks of both his humanity and his humility. Jesus applies this title from the prophet Daniel, who spoke of the Son of Man who would come with unrivaled dominion, unbridled authority, the one who would gather and rule and redeem the world. The Son of God came into the world and became the Son of Man. Jesus, in doing this, did not surrender his divinity as God, but added his humanity as the Son of Man to do the will of the God of the Father. Now, what did he come to do? Look at verse 45. He came not to be served, but to serve. The sovereignty of Jesus precedes his servanthood. But in God's sovereignty... 
He chose to display his rule and reign, not by might or dominion, but by a humble servant, not by a king or an emperor, just like the Roman yoke, but he came from a common carpenter at Nazareth. Nazareth is not even mentioned in the Old Testament. He was born in a stable in Bethlehem, which historians tell us had right at four to five hundred people, like Paoli, Oklahoma. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. You see, we not only have the privilege to serve, but an obligation to serve for Christ. In fact, did you realize that the Bible matches this from Genesis to Revelation? You want to know something interesting? Did you know the word leadership only appears six times in the Bible? You want to know how many times the word servant appears? 800 separate times. It's not about us, but Jesus and others. The word that Christ used for serve here is fascinating. It's of a word that's mentioned 75 times in the New Testament. It can be generally translated to simply one who serves. But in the Gospel of Mark, it's more specific. It can be translated table waiter. Are you ready for this? Someone who gives people what they need. And though there are six different words for servant in the New Testament... That servant is this broad term used elsewhere in the Bible to describe Christ followers and deacons. Jesus applies this word to himself. Why? To describe his mission, the means in which he came. And as we follow him, his mission will be evident in our lives. We were saved by Jesus and set free through Jesus to serve for Jesus. Believers are saved to serve, to actively help others in a selfless, Jesus-centered way. And please note that our king sees no other way of life. For the Son of God became the Son of Man. And the Son of Man exemplified and applied the will of God the Father to us. To work through us in a life of service to others. And it is this premise that dominates the entire New Testament. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit then, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. The Christ followers are to have a greater concern for others than we do ourselves. That we are to intentionally choose. That we are to evaluate each situation. And we're to apply gospel truth through gospel action. That this may be for us, but it's not to be about us. That we're to choose, how do we point people to Jesus through this circumstance? How do we glorify God in this relationship? How can I serve others for Jesus? Like Christ we are to have an intentional resolve that others' needs are more superior, supreme, important than our own. You see, serving others is a Jesus-like action 
toward someone else. (laughs) Jesus may never be more clear, not with our words, but by our actions. Now, I assure you, what you say has tremendous significance. But how you say it and how you live it has never been more important. It is the example of Jesus that is to be the model for our lives. And serving others is an intentional, unconditional commitment to selflessly and humbly serve an imperfect person in order to bring them to a closer relationship with Jesus. There is nothing easy about this. Though we may have some natural tendencies and values that are right in alignment with serving others, no, this is in every much an exercise of our faith. In every conversation, a whole dependence upon God to magnify Jesus as we serve others. And I assure you, as the Son of Man, Jesus set no limits on who we are to show his limitless love to by serving. If the Son of God, as the Son of Man, never thought of himself greater than serving someone else, then why in the world would we? And that is why, as we challenge you with five neighbors in five weeks, that is why this is so good for us to do this. Because it naturally places us outside of our comfort zones. It places us right within the center of dependence upon God. And yet trusting God to be faithful to what he has commanded us to do. And so I can't help but think, is there one person this week I mean, some of you have five. Some of you have more than five. Is there one person this week that you can serve and show Jesus? Who thought it of himself not to be served, but to serve. Look at verse 45. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The most distinctive role of the Son of Man is to voluntarily give his life for the ransom of many, or literally here, in the place of the many, is Christ's point. We have a Savior who serves. We have a Savior who willingly gave his life. Why? Because that's who he is. And as we made in his image, saved to become more and more like him, we will do the same. We will intentionally live a life that displays the gospel, not by just declaring that gospel, but by displaying this gospel in selfless service to others. Oh, the impact you can make. Oh, the life that can be changed because you chose to show Jesus through selfless, humble service. Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for many. You see this word ransom here? It means sufficient payment or price that was paid for someone else or something. It described someone in the Old Testament who would set someone loose permanently through payment. The interesting thing is it's only used twice in the New Testament. Right here and in Matthew chapter 20 verse 28. 
Jesus, as the sinless servant, gave his life as a substitute, did what we wouldn't do and did what we couldn't do to bring us back from our sin into a forever loving relationship with God by faith. Jesus gave his life so we could have our life or give our lives to him and serve others. It is this promise seen through the life, death, and resurrection that is a way in which we are to live our lives. And as Jesus sacrificially left the glory of heaven, came to earth as the Son of Man to seek and save the lost, Christ's followers are to do the same. That we are to not remain within the comforts of our own friends or relationships or habits, but we're to live by faith. We're to trust Him. And we're to maximize the time that he has given us to serve others for Jesus. Not about you, but I'm going to know what that looks like. You see, I think so many of us don't engage in God's mission because we've been taught one particular way. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that one particular way or mode, but it may just not be for us. It may not be where we fit in our personality or or how we would naturally share the gospel. And so that's why I want to encourage you with four ways. One Savior, one King, but four ways in which you can serve your neighbors. Number one, relationally. I mean, do something fun this week and invite your neighbors. There's a reason why you have the passions you do. There's a reason why you love the things you love. And as you continue to love God with all your heart, soul, and might, God will naturally align all of those things to bring the most glory to Him. And as we add intentionality with our relationships, and as we begin to link what we love to who we love, oh, the impact that we can have for the kingdom. In fact, we have a member right now, you know, she has several loves in her life. I mean, she loves skiing, she loves playing tennis, and she want to know what she did? She joined a ski club in Tulsa, and she joined a tennis club in Tulsa, and she's playing tennis four to five times a week all throughout Tulsa, anywhere you want to play, Jinx, BA, Bigsby, Owasso, Sand Springs, Sepulpa, anywhere, and she's using it as an opportunity to form relationships with those who she's playing tennis with. She also loves to ski. And so four or five times a year, she's going about different places in this great country of ours. And man, she's skiing and she's having fun. But what she's doing is that she's forming relationships. And she's been able now, through not just her words, to declare the gospel, but through her selfless life to display the gospel. And she's sharing the gospel with agnostics and atheists and people far from the Lord. Why? Because relationally, she is serving others, those who God has placed in her circle, in her daily proximity of life. And she's using something she does for fun, and she's pointing it to Jesus. Secondly, not just relationally, but also physically. You know, I can't help what God would do, that if you would just do your yard work or a project this week and invite a friend or a neighbor to come with you. I mean, to to look outside of your homes, 
to look outside of, of something, an immediate need within your daily life and then go meet that need and invite a friend or a coworker or a neighbor that either wants to know more about Christ or is far from the Lord. You know, in my neighborhood, what this looks like is, man, we live three miles north of here and there are houses going up everywhere in our neighborhood. I mean, they'll put this little spot, let's put a house there. And so they're building houses like crazy. And so as a result, there's construction and construction workers everywhere. And as the wind blows in Oklahoma, so does the trash. And so for my family this week, it's, it's just as simple as grabbing some trash sacks, putting on our First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow t-shirts, and going around our neighborhood and picking up trash together. Using it as a way to have dominion and man, to, to make this neighborhood everything that God intended it to be. But then also, we have construction workers working around our house seven days a week. They're working right now. And as this heat heats up, what would happen if we just brought some water and some cookies? Just said, hey, we live over here and looks like we're going to be hanging out with you for the next nine or ten months. We would just love to use this as an opportunity to bless you. Begin to form relationships and to point people to Jesus. As you go home, look out around your neighborhoods. Look around your workplaces. What's an immediate need physically that you can meet this week? And bring a friend, bring a coworker, and see what the Lord can do as you serve others for Jesus. Relationally and physically, oh, thirdly, mentally. I was so humbled this week in reading an article by the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, that as they continue to study this devastating effects of this perpetual virus that seems to never end, 19 plus months now with COVID, they have found that there is a 41% increase in those who have anxiety. So those who struggled with worry and, and even leading into depression, there's a 41% increase overall. Those who say, I have more anxiety now, I have more depression. 49% of young adults fall in this category. 50% of all Hispanics. I can't help but think in light of this current culture and situation that we're in, that what God could do in and through you if you give a neighbor 15 minutes of your undivided attention. Isn't it amazing to me in an age where you can have anything you want one click away? We are still longing for what we need most. And one of the greatest ways in which you can serve someone is by giving them your greatest possession, your time. Put down your phone. Put away the gadgets. And walk outside and say, Lord, who is it this week that needs 15 minutes of my undivided attention? Now, I also may realize that God may be placing someone inside your home. Oh, the joy we have this week to take our time and to use it as a means to point someone to Jesus. May we serve others for Jesus relationally and physically and mentally and finally spiritually. I mean, may we share each week with a neighbor on how God is working in our lives. 
as we continue to bless those around us. May we do so with such an intentionality and a passion that in every conversation that we're sharing someone, either what God has done or what he's doing in our lives, that we're praising God for his faithfulness in this season, that we're praising the Lord for how he's blessed us this week, or we're praising God for answering a prayer request, or we're allowing others to share the same. And in doing so, we're pointing people to a greater power, a greater source, Christ himself in and through us. And as we intentionally, just as our Savior did, chose to serve, not be served, may we do so in a way that is relational or physical or mental or spiritual, but is in a way that points to him. For if you pursue Jesus first in your life, then his mission will be evident in your life. And as we continue to share and to show the gospel in be and beyond, as we continue to, by God's grace, see adults come to Christ and students come to Christ, may we be fervent and passionate to continue to be what God has called us to be. To follow the example of the Son of God who chose to become the Son of Man and to give His life not to be served, but to serve and to give a ransom for many. May we continue to bless those who God has placed in and around our lives. One blessing at a time. May we serve others for Jesus.